Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Bastards Hot Stove edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight, we are doing part three of our MLB Trade Rumors annual projections list. That's a top 50 list that they publish every year, uh, and they predict where all the top free agents are going to go, which teams, how much money, how many years, and whatnot. So we're covering 10 of those free agents uh, at a time uh, on five different shows. So we've done parts one and two already. We're going to be working uh, mostly with the top uh, 30 and 25. So should be a good show. Uh, the first half of this list, not quite as fun as the second half. So we'll try to get through them as quickly as we can. And Nick Face with me tonight. So we're going to tag team it. Uh, everyone else unavailable. So how are you, Nick? Yeah, it's like uh, our typical in-season uh, streams on YouTube. You and I, when we were doing all those things together, so we hope the audience will get a chance to enjoy um, enjoy going down the list of 30 through 21 tonight, Terry. Yeah, and you know, it's been a pretty quiet uh, free agency season so far. Normally, you'll have a, a trade by now or just a sneaky signing by you know another team, usually with a starting pitcher, but it has been... It's it's been it's crickets right now. There's just nothing yeah, it's going kind on. Kind of boring in a way. I think the biggest thing for me, at least on my sake, for was hearing Brian Cashman talking about uh, Giancarlo Stanton, just saying that he's about done with having to deal with him anymore. I got a good laugh out of that. I don't know if you did too. Yeah, it's just funny to watch Cashman just completely sabotage himself. I mean, he's lost mm -hmm. his fan base. He's lost the clubhouse. The only person he's got left is Hal Steinbrenner and uh, who knows we'll we'll see what happens but I it don't just, it just keeps getting better and better with the Boons the Cashmans the Steinbrenners it's just keep it going guys keep it going the interesting thing of note out of that small controversy was that the same agent for Giancarlo Stanton happens to be the same for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. So maybe yep. maybe I that too. advantage Red Sox if it comes down to the two of us, hopefully, but we'll We're see. Keep our fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's just go ahead and get right into this. So picking up where we left off, again, this is part three. So uh, free agents... 31 to 50 will be covered on the previous two shows. So listen to those if you haven't already. Doesn't really matter which order you go in, but uh, so we'll start at number 30 here. That is going to be Mike Clevenger. Thoughts on him, Nick? So the market for him, two years, $26 million. So 13 per. A couple of the MLB trade rumor guys have them. Two of them actually have him going to the Angels. One of them, interestingly, the Red Sox. So what do you think of his market, and would you be interested? You know what this guy, I, I've Clevenger's been around the block a little bit. He's been, uh, you know, up and down kind of career. He was with the Indi uh, Indians, Guardians, and with the White Sox, and, of course, just with the Padres and all. 
Uh, it reminds me a lot, and I don't know if you'd say the same kind of thing with that Corey Kluber, like a poor man's Kluber. Uh, just you don't really know what you're going to get sometimes. He last season with the Padres, uh, excuse me, with the White Sox, excuse me, he went 9-9, nine and nine, had a 3-7-7 ERA the year prior he was with the Padres, 7-7. Uh, seven, seven. So he's been like a 500 pitcher throughout uh, his career. He had a decent – he had a pretty good 2017, 12 and 6, 13 and 8 the year after. And then in 2019, had his uh, probable best season there, 13 and 4. Uh, I just don't think it's something that I want to entertain for the Red Sox. We've talked about this before on our show where these reclamation projects, let's get a proven commodity here. Let's get somebody that we feel like we can trust that's not going to get hurt who's durable, who's going to give you innings and can get you uh, something solid in that rotation for a foundation. So I pass personally on Mike Clevenger. I'm probably an even harder pass. He did have somewhat, I'm not going to call it a resurgence in, in 2023, but it, it was a bit of a bounce back. Uh, albeit in the weakest division in major league baseball. I mean, that is a division where every team was offensively anemic. I mean, that was the Achilles heel for the Twins, who had very good pitching all season long. Probably that's what carried them. Correa was terrible until the playoffs. Guardians have never had an offense, like, ever in the last couple yeah. of decades. you got to go back to the 90s when, when you know, they had a very formidable offense. And yep. so I would I like Clevenger in, in the American League East? I, I don't think so. Go back just two years ago with the Padres. The dude looked completely cooked. He got absolutely torched in the playoffs. In his one NLCS start, he, he didn't even record an out. He gave up three runs and they yanked him. Mm -hmm. Just Just terrible. I don't see any... I don't see why Clevenger, you know, would be better than a Nick Pavetta, Cutter Crawford type guy. The other thing that I also um, saw when kind of going over his bio a little bit about what he's gone through is when there was all those COVID pandemic protocols and stuff. I guess he violated the uh, the Guardians' whole policy on whatever the heck they were uh, doing at that time. Uh, I I don't think I can hold that very highly to him. He's probably was one of those guys that didn't want to get vaxxed and everything. And to his, his own, if that was his case, I'm not going to hold him to it from that. So if there's any kind of baggage that comes with that guy, I don't, I, I really don't think you got to hold that very highly at all. I give him credit for standing up for what he feels is right. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked about the vaccine. I'm personally, I, I opted not to take it myself, so I'm not going to criticize another person for not getting it. Um, he, he did violate the, the protocols though, got himself suspended and, yep. you know, and I, I do have somewhat of a problem with that because you're, you're hurting your team, you know, you're, that's very true too. You're, yes. you're a big part of that. So if there are rules and you're a major league baseball player, you know, you need to follow them. Um, additionally though, he did have, uh, somewhat of a controversy, I guess. Uh, apparently there was, a uh, his ex partner who apparently he might have a kid with made some accusations. I don't know if there was ever even an investigation on, on that there might've been, but 
Um, regardless, nothing became of it. But there, there is a little bit of baggage as, as far as that goes. And just randomly, because I'm a super random ADHD person, what's going on with Wanda Franco? We haven't heard anything. Yeah, nothing. Like that, that now is when I get skeptical about the allegations. You know what I mean? Yep. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, that I just it's realized that. Like, and his association with Trevor Bauer, too. Mike Clevenger with everything, too. I mean, there's that there's that whole thing that came under uh, the Guardians at the time or the Indians at the time with that. So who knows? Who knows what to believe at times with these stories that come out? Yeah, I'm I'm all for bringing in Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I'm you not going to lie. said the same thing. Yeah, I'm, same I'm a, deal. I'm on the I'm on the same uh, roller coaster for that one. Yeah, if you haven't uh, followed up with the Bauer stuff, he uh, he was handed a string of victories lately, and uh, the accuser um, looked a lot more uh, questionable. But anyway, Bauer actually is curiously not even on this list. So I guess we may as well get him in there. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I just there, there's just no real upside to Clevenger. So we're both in agreement there. Uh, we will yeah. pass. So Reynaldo Lopez uh, is 29 on the list. He is a reliever, right-handed reliever, I should say, projected to get three years $30 million. The uh, trade rumors writers have him going to the Mets, Reds, and Twins, all of which sound uh, pretty plausible. Yep. Uh, last two seasons, he's combined for a 3.02 ERA over 131 and one-third innings. Not bad, um, you know, but I, I, I still think we're looking for a lefty more than anything, but... What are your thoughts on Lopez? Yeah, it's just about finding Rome where we feel is needed in the bullpen. I do think the Red Sox, one of their things, at least going into 2024, is that I think that they're going to have some arms that we can count on. I'm not saying that they shouldn't go out and get somebody else or some other pieces to add, but I do think that it's going to be kind of tight in that pen on what we're actually going to have money-wise, to go out and get some other people. Uh, Lopez's numbers, I mean, he was with the White Sox for a good majority of his career. He was, at one point, uh, a failed starter at you know for 2018, 2019, and then things started to change for him as he adapted more into the bullpen. Really, in 2021, that's when there was some signs of improvement for his game and everything. Overall, I think the guy is a serviceable bullpen arm that can be trusted in certain situations, but I just don't see the the need for the Red Sox to be in the Lopez sweepstakes. Yeah, I, I basically uh, agree with that. Uh, one question here, if a team comes to you and they're like, Hey, what do you want for Kenley? I mean, I'd be open to a one-for-one one type trade, you know, whether it's for a middle infielder, which is a need we have, uh, mm -hmm. specifically a right-handed uh, middle infielder, or perhaps a right-handed outfield bat. Would you entertain that and then in a lateral move, perhaps go after a guy like Lopez or just someone that's formidable uh, on this year's free agent market? You know, I've thought about this a good amount of time because I kept saying as the season closed for 2023, 
I really don't didn't have anybody that I felt on the team that I wouldn't at least pick up the phone and talk to other teams about what you could package together. Yes, that even means if somebody's interested in Rafi Devers and there's some sort of a package that's together, I'm going to listen. I'm still going to listen. Same goes with Casas. I'm going to listen to at least see what the market is for these guys. You're stupid not to. I mean, you've come off two last place finishes. You're not very good with what you had. So figure out what you can do with at least talking to them. On the Jansen front, it's weird because for a long time, really after since Kimbrell, we always kept complaining. Oh, we don't have a bullpen. We don't have a closer. We don't have somebody we can trust. We don't have that guy who's at the end. Well, we had that this season. There were glimpses of great. There were some shaky ones. We've also was some real stinkers. Kenley's got also another year older, and we've all seen that he does have somewhat of a, a an injury history, whether it's health-wise or something going on with fatigue or whatnot. Yeah, I would absolutely talk to some other teams that want somebody who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, probably, and want them at the end of their game for their season. So, yeah, pick up the phone. Let's figure out what the market is and good old game show. If the price is right, figure it out. <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily dangle Jansen out there, but if a call came in, I'd, I'd entertain yeah. it. Yeah, I, I will. And, and, you know, this is the great thing about this show. You know, we all have different opinions, but I would not trade Devers or Casas. I, I like them in my heart of the order. Yeah, I, I again, I wouldn't. I'm just saying with how the season finished and how we've seen certain things progress, at least listen. See what's there. I'm not saying do the deal. I'm saying that if there's something out there that teams are so desperate that they want something to put more pieces together that makes you a winner, that's where I think Craig Breslow will shine in this. I do. I'm going to hold at least some hope with him coming in and using that brain to really deliver something special for this team. I think, and this is the first time I've said it, but I think in 2024, Tristan Casas could be an MVP candidate. I really think if Love he to see it, I think if he can replicate what he did from May to the end of the season with perhaps just maybe a little bit more explosiveness. I, I think he can get there. I think in Devers case, I think the defense kind of hurts him a little bit. He tends to have a hamstring problem uh, crop up once or twice, but still I, I just see them as too critical, you know, to, uh, you know, to a championship. They're both pretty clutch. So that's what I tend to be enamored with. I'd also throw Bayo into my untouchable category. Um, but yeah. All right. So let's move on to number 28 on the list. That is going to be Mr. Yariel Rodriguez, who is projected to get four years $32 million. So I'm terrible at math. I think that's $8 million per season. Uh, two of the three trade rumors writers have him going to the White Sox. Another one suggests possibly the Padres. 
this summary, see, we're not familiar with him because he's pitched uh, the last few years uh, in Japan. He's from Cuba uh, originally, never pitched in the United States, has pretty solid numbers uh, in Japan as a reliever. They do say he could potentially be a starter, but um, <laughs> if you want to take a stab at it, Nick, go ahead. But uh, there's just not a lot of <laughs> yeah, familiarity. These are one here. of those things with uh, the, the Jap, you know, the Japanese leagues and everything that you really don't know most times what these guys are going to come over here to Major League Baseball and do. This is one of those take a chance and see what happens with catching lightning in a bottle. Um, Number-wise, from looking at everything that he did with the Dragons and everything from um, the last season and all, I mean, his numbers for 2022, he was 6-2. and two. He had a 115 ERA in 56 games over there. Number-wise, that, that's, that's very intriguing for a pitcher of that caliber. It's a matter of where he fits into the whole Major League Baseball style of game. Um, you know, the Red Sox have had quite some luck in the past with especially Japanese relief pitching um, with Hideki, uh, Hideki Okajima. You had Junichi Tozawa, Koji, uh, uh, yeah, Koji Uehara, just to name a few from everybody there. If the Red Sox wanted to think about something like this, again, I don't think they have the money to go after something of this caliber. But this guy could end up being something uh, very serviceable for a major league pitcher. Well, I mean, he's just too unknown for me. I certainly wouldn't put a guy like that in our rotation with all the question marks we currently have. Um, and I just, as I've said time and time again throughout this series, I think our bullpen is pretty much set uh, as far as right-handed uh, pitching goes. So I just don't know really, you know, what to what to do with him. So I, for me, it's going to be a pass. Uh, we got one more kind of obscure one here, and then uh, it'll, it gets uh, it gets a little better. So just bear with us one more time. We have Robert Stevenson, who most recently was in the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen. Four years, thirty-six million dollars. So that is nine million per season. So he projects out as a back end of the bullpen guy. Uh, one writer has him going to the Cardinals, another the Mets, and then uh, the Orioles. So he's expected to have somewhat of a fairly broad market here. Uh, you know, he spent the first part of his career trying to, you know, figure it out. Numbers weren't super great, but 2021 forward, he's actually been a very effective late inning guy. So, um, thoughts on Stevenson. Yeah, I'm looking over on baseball reference just to kind of get more of an idea of where this guy's at. So he's 30 years old. So he's already kind of at that place where it's uh nut up or shut up time in a way. Um, just looking at his numbers from 2023, he ended up having a very good run. It was a combination with the Rays and the Pirates. Um, overall, he went three and four with a 310 ERA in 60 games. Um, a guy that I think is truthfully, and I'm surprised at where he's ranked here within baseball, uh, with uh, MLB uh, trade rumors and everything. I'm surprised with this four years, 36. 
I, this guy just doesn't scream to me as somebody that I could depend upon to get four years in a market where I think he's still trying to find that groove on consistency. Um, again, 30 years old. It's uh, if he gets this contract from any of the teams and then they're saying the Cardinals, Mets, Orioles combination of that. Um, I, I wish the guy a lot of luck and that's, that's something that uh, is is good for him, but I'm not I'm not interested in uh, more of like a journeyman kind of guy. You make some good points. I, I think he's going to be very serviceable, uh, no matter where he goes. I think four years is a lot for a reliever of his type. Now, if you're like a future Hall of Famer like Craig Kimbrell. Um, Jonathan Papelbon, not a great, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but an elite reliever. Um, another one could be a Roldis Chapman. These guys are all, you know, super elite. Those are the guys that should be getting four, five, six years. Uh, I don't think, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, a career setup guy like Stevenson really warrants four years because these guys don't have a long shelf life. So I, I think the market is a little higher. He could very well end up getting two to three years, um, you know, a little bit under the projections here. But again, we're just not a fit. The timing isn't right to sign a guy like Stevenson. I could see a two year. I think that would be something that I could say, okay, that could be something I'd entertain, but anything higher than that, I think it's just way too much of a risk. Not just for the Red Sox, but any other team that's really out there. But, hey, I like to be wrong. Prove me wrong. I mean, if we trade a, a guy like Jansen, you know, out of nowhere, you know, then I could see, uh, you know, making a play for a guy like Lopez or, or a guy like Stevenson, and yeah. then Chris Martin becomes your closer. I could totally see that. And then you're set, at least with one of these guys, for the next – two or three years and you know with martin you'll you'll just see i mean i think he's gonna be 38 this year 37 38 he's in his late 30s so we'll see next on the list coming in at number 26 will be reese hoskins he's projected to get two years 36 million dollars that sounds kind of low to me for a 30-year-old who who could still somewhat be an impact. Um, his Achilles heel here uh, is his defense is atrocious. I mean, he's a well below average defender at first base. The Phillies tried to, uh, you know, give him some reps in the outfield. That did not go well. So... Not a ton of versatility there, but uh, he is a bona fide power bat. And, uh, you know, he's coming off of a, a torn ACL. So as far as I know, he should be ready to go, um, you know, in spring training. But what what are your thoughts on a guy like yeah, Hoskins? The, 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 big, the big thing for me is would Hoskins settle for being a bench guy? Or would he settle for being just a bat that's going to DH, move around a little bit, uh, your right-handed kind of thumper that would be of need? I think that's going to be the big question on what he finds here for his market. 
I am out as a red for the Red Sox, and I'm out because big time for me. And I think you are going to see this with the offseason with Craig Breslow is the fact that the Red Sox are emphasizing defense. I think that they realize that their defense has been pretty piss poor. And I think that they are going to be a completely different unit heading into 2024 with a whole revamped outfield. I think they're going to be looking at ways of sharing up second base, making sure that even Devers is in a more athletic position than he was in 2023. I know Devers just from reports is is working hard right now for off-season training and is way ahead of where he's been in the past couple years um, just for getting in a better conditioned state. So I don't feel like Hoskins fits here unless he's somebody off the bench who's that right-handed bat that you can go to and 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 find a spot there. But I do not want him in the outfield for the Red Sox whatsoever. And Casas, I feel, has first base locked up. So it's going to be very hard finding him playing time. I'm a little bit intrigued by Hoskins. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't – it wouldn't be a step forward from the Bloom era in terms of, you know, getting your defense balanced, getting your alignments, you know, a little bit more in order because if you sign Reese Hoskins, primarily he will be your DH. If Casas needs a, a night or two off in the field, you know, you could you could flip-flop them. Hoskins will play some first base. Casas can DH. To me, a, a perfect world would would involve a guy like Yoshida serving primarily as your DH. I think that would solve his fatigue problems. I think if he could just focus strictly on hitting, I think you would get the most offensively out of a guy like Yoshida. But as I was saying on Twitter earlier, I'm still running my mouth about the Bloom era. The only right-handed power bat you have is Trevor Story. And he doesn't... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bobby Dahlbeck is still a part of this crew. (laughs) Out of respect for Hein Bloom, I left Bobby Dahlbeck off the list. I I did. Um you just got nobody. You've got Sedan Raffaella, who's not even guaranteed to make the team out of spring training. And then you've got Rob Refsnyder. Those are your right-handed hitters. That is all you have. It's pathetic. So eventually we're going to have to come up with a, with a right-handed bat. And I if, agree. If we can't get Turner back, I don't think Hoskins is the, is the worst option ever. Um, the thing I like the most about him, he's he's a high on base guy. Even if his average isn't super great, I mean, career uh, Reese Hoskins is a is a three fifty three on base guy. That's you know borderline elite. And while well, twenty twenty was a you know a shortened season, but three eighty four uh, on base that season. Uh, as far as just his regular average, only 242, but I think at Fenway Park, he would be a 3,100 guy. Uh, you know, he's a right-hander, which we desperately need. And if you can really get him for two years, I might I might entertain it. I'm not going to lie. Do you look at him as kind of like that 
Hunter Renfro kind of guy. Obviously not without the glove and the arm and everything, but is this kind of like an a like a Renfro kind of thing? Well, I I think he could be more effective than than Renfro because Renfro isn't going to draw a lot of walks. As much as I really enjoyed him, he was probably my favorite player of He the, was a free swinger. Yeah. So I feel like there you know with Hoskins there's a, a little bit better uh plate discipline. In 2019, actually, Hoskins led all of Major League Baseball in walks. So mm-hmm. I, I do like that. And like I said, I mean, if he's still out there late in the winter, we'll see. Apparently, the Cubs are, are interested in him, possibly. And uh, they won't rule out the Phillies. But, you know, you look at Bryce Harper, not a great defender, may have permanently won over that first base position. Uh, then you've got Kyle Schwarber, not not a great defender. Nick Castellanos, not a great defender. You know, yep. so I don't know that Hoskins is is a good fit to go back to Philly with the way that their current roster is uh, structured. So again, I don't I wouldn't hate it if we brought him back. I think ideally as much as like a week ago I, I was more open minded to moving on. I kind of feel like we gotta bring back Justin Turner. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to do well, it. Well from- that's one thing that I, I kept when I when we brought Reese Hoskins up, I kept saying to myself, what's plan A? What's plan B? What's plan C? I think right now, realistically, I'm still in that Justin Turner. I'm hoping that is back here. I don't know if it's going to happen. I said on the last show, I don't. I am, I am trending in the direction that I don't feel Justin Turner is going to not be not going to be back. And I'm doing that to myself so I don't get disappointed. I feel like Yoshida is destined for the DH spot, and I feel like that's going to mean you need to solidify your outfield defense. So that's why I'm saying on this Hoskins thing, if they're going at him as your left fielder, that scares the crap out of me. Not saying I don't like the bat. I do because they need that right-handed, you know, thumper that's there. And I think he can do that. I just don't think that he can, he can go 140, 150 games at Fenway out in left field. Oh no, I don't think he'll play two games in in left field at Fenway. I, I think it would strictly be, as a DH first baseman, but yep. like I said, we'll see. I in getting back to Turner, I just don't want him for two years. I, I would mm-hmm. overpay for one year, I guess, but I'm not interested in a multi-year deal for a guy who's pushing forty and coming off of an injury uh, this season. I would be in that same camp as well. I'm fine with risking it for the year because it's one year. It's figuring it out from there. But I think anything after that, I think you bring up a good point. I think it's too much of a risk leading into a 40 or 41-year-old DH, first base, whatever kind of type of guy. And part of me you know, is resigned to the fact that you'll probably not get another season like that from Turner. It'll still be good in potentially an all-star level season, but he was just off the charts you know, especially with runners in scoring position and just super clutch. The, the most clutch guy on the Red Sox uh, in in 2023. I'd go without bo- a question. I'd go bo- uh, Bobby Dahl. I, I own an apology. Tristan Casas, probably the second mm-hmm. most clutch guy. But all right. So next on the list is K- 
Kenta Maeda. So he comes in at 25. They're projecting two years, $36 million. So 18 per. I happen to think that's a massive overpay for a 36-year-old Maeda who's more of a number four at this point in his career. But uh, MLB trade rumors, the three writers have him going to the Mets. Twins and Orioles. I could certainly see the latter there. Um, does sound like an Orioles type move. But uh, what are your thoughts on bringing in a guy like Maeda? I just think age-wise with everything, I think he is just not somebody on that durability front and innings eater and somebody that you can fully trust throughout a whole season that, they, that he can give that to you. You know, he was down... For the 2022 season, he came back with the Twins, went 6-8, and eight, 21 games, and it was pretty mediocre at best. I think there's other ways that you can fill that spot without Maeda. I think that if he looks to latch on for another club, I think the Orioles are a perfect spot for him because it's one of those low-market teams. They don't have that much money and resources that they can – uh, they can use, and it's somebody who that on the latter part of their career, I think, would do a better job in a, with a team like an Oriole, like a Pirate, like a Reds team of sorts, something like that. But I, I, if this was maybe five years ago, I'd say, okay, you know, maybe I'd take a chance on a 30, 31 year old guy. Now, no, I'll pass on this one. Yeah, I mean, you look at 2021, uh, a 4.66 ERA, only 106 and one-third innings. He did not pitch at all in 2022. I forget why. I'm guessing possibly Tommy John. Uh, only 100. It was, yes. It was Tommy John. Uh, was 104 Tommy John. in one-third innings in 2023. Again, an ERA pretty well north of four, so... Again, we've got plenty of those types of guys. He's not someone that's going to move the needle for me. His, you know, his walk rate hasn't really fluctuated a ton. His strikeout per nine is still, uh, you know, right up around 10. But again, I just, I think we've got plenty of guys uh, just like him making far less than 18 million per year. And a hard pass for me on Maeda. Yep. Next on the list is a familiar face. That would be Michael Waka. He's projected to get three years, $36 million. So that's uh, $12 million per year. Um, had a similar season in, uh, San Diego. I don't have his numbers up in front of me. Um, and it was also similar, uh, in terms of being injured, uh, you know, spent some time on the injured list, not a guy who stays healthy. What are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah. I mean, numbers wise for this past season, he went 14 and four with a three, two, two, his prior season in Boston, he went 11 and two with a three 32. I mean, it was nearly identical for innings pitched. It was 127.1 uh, for the 2022 Red Sox. And then 2023, he threw 134.1. 
this was one of those guys that I wanted to still have here as the offseason went, and it just never aligned itself to. What I like about Michael Walker is what we've saw with uh, even the Nate Avaldis of the world. Michael Walker is a gamer. He wants the ball. He's a competitor. He does have that inning, or not that inning, he does have that time where he's on the DL for at least one time, maybe another one throughout his season from everything. I've always liked this guy. It's going to come down to the price. I don't think the Red Sox will bring him back, but for me as the general manager, if I was there or baseball ops, I I would want a guy like Michael Walker. I want a guy who's a competitor, who's fierce, who is tough. He's a step down in my ba- in in my bag a little bit to Nate Valdi, just with that big game aspect kind of thing uh, for gaming. I still like this guy though. I still think there's a lot to build a rotation around. If he's out there, I absolutely would think about bringing him in here to be a part of the rotation. Last year, I was all for it on a one-year deal. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to sign him to a multi-year deal, as the projections here suggest. I mean, he hasn't pitched north of 150 innings since 2017. So we're going on seven years, and I just think there's better options out there. I, I mean, if you could guarantee me right now he would pitch 160 innings, I'd probably be excited and, uh, you know, I'd be on board with it, especially with a guy like Andrew Bailey uh, coming on to be the pitching coach. He turned some some guys around out in uh, San Francisco. You know, their young ace there, uh, Logan Webb, came up under him. Uh, Carlos Rodon pitched pretty good. Uh, I know there was one or two others out there that, um, you know, were pretty serviceable, but, um, you know, and, and who knows what he would do with a guy like Waka. But again, I I just think there's there's better options out there and, and I would rather focus on those. Next on the list, uh, we got three more. Uh, so coming in at 23 at three years, $39 million. So that's 13 per will be Mitch Garver, who has, you know, basically been a catcher for most of his career. I think he was more of a backup, uh, in Texas to Jonah Heim, but, uh, any, uh, any interest in Garver, Nick? I just don't have that much faith right now in the Red Sox catching. I don't. I, Connor Wong, defensively and everything, and an arm, great. But is he the long-term answer at catcher? I don't think so. I don't. And we all know, uh, I mean, really from backups and everything with, with, with what you've got. I mean, Reese McGuire was also hurt this past season. So, I do think that there's a void that's missed right there. And if the Red Sox really do want to think about what they want to do catcher wise, I'm not going to turn a blind eye to Mitch, Mitch Garver. I think numbers looking at everything that he's done. I mean, last season was uh, tremendous for him. You know, he had 87 games, 19 homers, 50 runs. Uh, again, it's the amount of games that he plays. Can he 
get to that next level and be that guy. I think you could give him that opportunity here. So I, I, I would, th- I would look at the market, see what's out there. And if there's an opportunity to put him there, I would, I would look at that. I mean, Garver put together a pretty good year. I mean, only 296 at bats cause he was a backup, but hit nearly 20 home runs, uh, in that role. Uh, hit 270, so he's pretty effective at the plate. Um, Wong only nine home runs, uh, batted uh, I think in the low 230s. But both of them have a you know a similar WAR right around two, and uh, you know I just don't know that he's a big enough upgrade over Wong. I love the fact Wong can gun down base runners and and hold them at first base even with those bigger bases and the, and the new rules. Um, I, I just think there's better ways you can allocate your money, uh, you know, than bringing in a guy like Garver, especially with Kyle Teal, uh, you know, waiting in the wings, probably be up. He could be up in, in late 2024. Um, but, uh, it's more likely, um, you know, in the 2025 season, out of spring training. It's an interesting question. Say the Red Sox are in the market, as we've heard rumors about with Jordan Montgomery. And if Montgomery says, I'll come here, but if Mitch Garver comes, that's going to be my deal breaker. Meaning that Mitch Garver would have to be here if Jordan Montgomery comes. Would you do it? Nope. <laughs> You wouldn't. Spoiler okay. alert. I'm not a huge Jordan Montgomery guy, and you're going to hear some of our other hosts uh, express a lot of more interest in him than than I will. I, I just I'm not enamored with, you know, six or seven years for a guy like Montgomery. I feel like you're paying a postseason premium there because if the Rays knock out the Rangers in the in the first round. Montgomery's not getting more than three or four years. It's true. At, at like 15 million. So some of the other guys, they're they're more intrigued by him. Uh, we wouldn't have to give up a draft pick if we signed Montgomery. So that's a good thing. But I, I've got some other guys I kind of have my eye on. Yeah, I'm uh, actually in that same predicament like you are. I think it's too many years for Montgomery. I have some eyes more on other players as well. I was just thinking more more along the lines where if there was some sort of a package deal where one of them says, well, if you sign me, then this guy's got to come. It makes an interesting conversation piece. Was Garver his personal catcher? I, I didn't make that. They worked together. Did mm-hmm. they? Okay. I didn't yeah. make that correlation. But, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? We all know how the personal catchers thing here worked here in Boston for so many years. So Yeah, and they always say at the beginning of the season, there's going to be no personal catchers, but as soon as so-and-so gets lit up two or three times in a row, of course it does. he's got his personal catcher back after that. So, yep. um, so, yeah. All right. Winding down here, we got a couple left. So next on the list... Uh, coming in at 22 at a projection of three years, $40 million is Jack Flaherty, former St. Louis Cardinals ace when he was healthy enough to be on the mound. 
Thoughts on him, Nick? See, the thing that really kind of takes me out of the market here for Flaherty is this was one of the big names to get at the deadline. Red Sox names were in there trying to see how they could anchor their rotation, and he went to the Orioles. The Orioles put together the best package for uh, the Cardinals, and that's who they got. He stunk up the joint when he got to Baltimore. I, I mean, and that's right in your AL East from everything. It was a different, obviously, atmosphere for Flaherty compared to being with the Cardinals and everything. That's where I look at this whole, you know, pitching in the East. How does that affect somebody in in a playoff hunt and everything? And as much as I liked him with the Cardinals and everything, I don't think he's going to thrive to the situation here or thrive to the occasion within the AL East with the Red Sox, with a big market group here. I think that it would be a stretch to consider him an ace if he does come here for the Red Sox. Unless Andrew Bailey can work some magic and get him back to his St. Louis ways of delivering ace caliber uh, starts. So that's where I would be on the Jack Flaherty front. Not saying no, but I'm saying it would be a work in progress kind of deal where Bailey would need to work with him specifically to get over that hump. I mean, even if they cleaned up his, you know, his delivery and mechanics and all that, he's still a guy that doesn't stay healthy. Lots of injuries, uh, you know, especially with the shoulder and elbow and just, I... I mean, it would be Chris Sale 2.0 from a from a health perspective. He pitched very well in 2018, 151 innings, 3.34 ERA. That was basically his rookie year. And then he followed that up uh, with an even more um, spectacular 2019 season, 2.75 ERA across 33 starts. 196 and one-third innings, finished fourth in the Cy Young uh, race. And then it all went downhill from there. And Baltimore couldn't figure him out. I mean, he was just hot garbage. Uh, I think he might have even been pitching out of the bullpen in long relief by the time the playoffs got here. So yep, that's not, exactly what happened. Not a guy I want the Red Sox interested in. Go back to 2019. I would have told you he would have won multiple Cy Youngs over the course of the next decade. Couldn't yep. couldn't be more wrong. You know, he's been pretty disappointing since then. So hard pass for me on Flaherty. Last on the list will be um, a, I think, a, yeah, Cardinals reliever, uh, yep. Jordan Hicks. He's probably the prize of all relievers uh, this winter. Uh, four years, uh, $40 million projection. Um, has had some elbow issues uh, in the past. Uh, seems to have gotten over it. Uh, you know, recently, but uh, any interest in Jordan Hicks? This is another one where the injury bug and seeing consistency out of him being a part of the team. I just think that it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard pass for me on this one. 
I think that there's an other team out there where he could probably fix his mechanics a little bit, get him to a good health uh, pattern where he can be more of a force and everything in somebody's team. I just don't think that he fits the need here for the Red Sox right now. Yeah, just, uh, you know, tons of liability issues there in terms of health. It's a good word. 3.29 ERA. His whip actually was pretty high in, in 2023, 1.35. So nothing, uh, you know, screams bring Jordan Hicks to the Boston Red Sox, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. The other thing too, I mean, tough luck loser in some of these too. I mean, record wise, it says three and nine. Sometimes those numbers, they're just, you look at it and he still had great numbers, even with the nine losses that were across the board right there. So, yeah. And uh, he's a righty. So that, that also makes him uh, much less of a fit for us at the moment. So. Um, so I guess we will wrap on that. We'll be back. I'm guessing probably we'll do the uh, part four episode on Sunday night, barring no developments. And uh, that'll be ready for your Monday morning commute. But you got to figure eventually a domino has got to go down. A domino is going to fall. I forgot to check to see if Yamamoto has been posted yet or if that's uh, in the coming days. But I think a lot of teams are waiting to see what happens with him. You've got Cohen who will outspend anybody if he feels like it. You you got yep. the Yankees who will probably do it just so Cohen doesn't get him. <laughs> so it's true. There's going to be a hell of a premium this year on uh, Yamamoto, but I'm still hopeful we'll get him. So, and then we do know two winter meetings. I was just looking at the schedule of when the GMs and everybody meets. That's December 3rd through the 6th. Um, so that's upcoming pretty much um, right after Thanksgiving and stuff there. That'll be – looks like they're in uh, Opryland this year. Third, Nashville, Tennessee. 3rd through the 6th. Got it. Okay. Yep. 2023 um, winter meetings – Nashville, Tennessee at the Opryland Hotel, if anybody wants to go and stalk anybody. <laughs> the third is a Sunday, so I'm guessing uh, most of the action won't be until the fifth and the sixth, which is usually the last couple days. Too. Yeah. Yep. That's when Chris Sale was acquired, I think was during the 2016 winter meeting. Yep. So there can definitely uh, be some fireworks there. So all John right. Lester too uh, signing with the Cubs was a part of that. I oh. remember my TV going through the uh, my remote control getting hummed at the TV when that news came out. That that was a that was an interesting one. I gave up on that uh, late in the night, and I think uh, the timestamp for when it was reported was around 3 a.m. And so I woke up to that news. Uh, yeah. Went to bed. I don't know if I was optimistic, but I was still extremely hopeful that maybe uh, Lester would be back with the Red Sox, but that was a hard one to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We will see you guys Monday morning. Uh, but if a development happens, uh, could be sooner. Who knows? Take care.